Welcome to the Rev Sarah Shares podcast for this Sunday the 28th of May where we mark Pentecost. We have a couple of scripture readings, the traditional one from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 13 and then a passage from Numbers, a story of Moses and people speaking in the spirit and the reaction to that. And that's what got me thinking about whether or not we have a voice, how we use our voice, and really just encouraging us to think about how we share the gospel of Jesus. Is it through word? Is it through action? Is it through our personalities? And so our reflection kind of takes us through that route, thinking about the different voices in the world round about us and what people hear and what we think they hear. I hope that you enjoy the readings brought by Andy, following which we'll have our reflection. Today's first reading is from Acts chapter 2, reading from verse 1. The coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly there was a noise from the sky, which sounded like a strong wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire, which spread out and touched each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to talk in other languages, as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, religious people who had come from every country in the world. When they heard this noise, a large crowd gathered. They were all excited because all of them heard the believers talking in their own languages. In amazement and wonder, they exclaimed, These people who are talking like this are Galileans. How is it then that all of us hear them speaking in our own native languages? We are from Parthia, Media and Elam, from Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, from Pontus and Asia, from Pygia and Pamphylia, from Egypt and the regions of Libya near Cyrene. Some of us are from Rome, Both Jews and Gentiles converted to Judaism, and some of us are from Crete and Arabia. Yet all of us hear them speaking in our own languages about the great things that God has done. Amazed and confused, they kept asking each other, what does this mean? But others made fun of the believers, saying, these people are drunk. Amen. Today's second reading comes from Numbers chapter 11, reading from 24 to 30. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He assembled 70 of the leaders and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the spirit he had given to Moses and gave it to the 70 leaders. When the spirit came on them, they began to shout like prophets but not for long. Two of the 70 leaders, Eldad and Medad, had stayed in the camp and had gone out to the tent. There in the camp, the Spirit came upon them and they too began to shout like prophets. A young man ran out to tell Moses what Eldad and Medad were doing. Then Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' helper since he was a young man, spoke up and said to Moses, Stop them, sir. Moses answered, Are you concerned about my interests? I wish that the Lord would give his spirit to all his people and make all of them shout like prophets. Then Moses and the 70 leaders of Israel went back to the camp. Amen.
You have a voice. I have a voice. And sometimes we use our voices well, sometimes not so much. Sometimes we don't even like the sound of our voices. I know when I first heard myself on a recording, I was like, whoa, that's what I sound like. Um, the voice I hear isn't quite the voice that you hear. And if you're not sure about that, listen to yourself on a recording and you'll see what I mean. This past week has been the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland that meets in Edinburgh once a year and there are lots of voices at this and there are some familiar ones there are regulars and there are some new voices which i am truly grateful for some i agree with and others well not so much and you know life would be boring if we all agreed some have spoken and i've found myself caught up in their rhetoric and been inspired by what they've had to say Others, I wish that I could fast forward to the point. There's one or two that take a long time to get there. A bit like listening to the minister, I'm sure there are occasions where you wish you could fast forward. And at least you have the benefit that these poor folks on a Sunday morning sitting in front of me don't have. You can always speed me up or fast forward me altogether. The power of our voice. One of the greatest voices I heard at the General Assembly was the Chief Rabbi. Now please remember, I was not a commissioner. I was only able to watch parts of the General Assembly online um, because of work and other commitments. But where I could, I certainly had it on in the background and keeping up with certain areas, I suppose, that interested me most. I know that there were great moments like the child that called out Haya as I believe her gran was being made moderator. There were moments of great hilarity and there were also moments of great grief and not just over planning. There were poignant moments where people spoke from the heart about issues that were really, really important. But the chief rabbi spoke with such warmth and grace and humor and cultural integrity and it was refreshing and inspirational. I was telling folks about this at the Kettle's On this week and I got a message later in the day from somebody who'd gone home and watched it and we're grateful that I had drawn attention to it. So please, please, please do go and have a nosy uh, on the Church of Scotland General Assembly webpage. I think you should be able to get the link there and if not, go look up their YouTube channel. I'm sure you'll find it there. 10 minutes or so of your life, well worth a listen. And it, do you know, Somebody said, oh, you know, it's a shame if the most inspirational voice was somebody from out with the Church of Scotland. But actually, in the cacophony of voices that have been going on all week, to hear a different voice speaking into that situation was just unique and empowering. And they came not with the weight of what we're going through, but with that sense of togetherness and and celebration so yeah absolutely go and have a listen another moment that stood out for me was when sally our moderator commented on the fact that during the assembly trustees report that no female voices bar hers had yet spoken and by this point we'd had a fair string of guys making very valid points through the conversation it was actually the first year where the top table was almost it was almost all women, it was predominantly female, and that is incredibly rare 
in the Church of Scotland. And I know because I am that woman that sits and counts how many women took part, how many women are at the top table, how well are women represented as conveners and so on. And maybe that's a conversation for another day. We celebrated the Reverend Jean Montgomery, the longest serving female minister who within days of the General Assembly passing the resolution, the deliverance, that women could now be ordained into the ministry had lodged her application within days. And, you know, sometimes we don't appreciate just how much effort and energy and debate and discussion took place to allow that to happen. And she's had an amazing journey through her ministry. There were women who spoke and they were great. And though few in number, they kept coming back and coming back and be bringing that female perspective to it. And women can have a voice in the church. In the membership of the church, we far outnumber the men, yet we're often sidelined for more charismatic men, eh, particularly in roles such as convenerships. Another group who were given back their voice this year was our young people. They spoke with wisdom and careful consideration, putting across their points with ease and with nerves, I'm sure. When they say that they want the voice of the young to have a space to be heard in the environment of the General Assembly and the committees of the church, there's a little bit of me that says, but yes, I want my voice to be heard too. I'm kind of too old now to be categorized as amongst the young and not quite sure how to tactfully say this, but I'm too young to be in the older brigade as well. I kind of fall in that category where I am one of the few ministers under the age of 50, but I'm not young enough to be that young voice of the Church of Scotland. So then, what about children? Well, apart from our higher, we really didn't have the voice of children um, Perhaps they were represented through people who spoke, but we didn't really hear the voice of children. And that's normal. I mean, what do children know? What can they contribute to the decision-making processes of the Church of Scotland? Well, let me just say this. Children can read you like a book, and if you have children in your church, they know more about the church than you think, and they pay attention. They know which adults are safe, which adults they can wind up, which adults they can go to for help, and which adults to avoid at all costs. They know who are the grumpy, sarcastic ones, and they know who are the funny, helpful ones. They know who will help them in a crisis and who will judge them for their dress sense. And it's important that we recognize that. They know even which adults simply tolerate them. And that's the thing, they see us in church on Sundays and then they meet us down the street. They see how we treat shop workers, they see how we treat one another, they see how we talk about our family. And they put all of this together. Please do not underestimate our children. They know whether you practice what you preach. Had to smile, I was at a P1 uh, information evening, I was just in as a chaplain and um, the teacher that's going to take on all these new wonderful little people in August said, you know, we learn through play and these are the different things that we do and we have a home corner and, you know, the children like to play home and uh, they act like their parents and we get to learn what you are like as parents by listening to your children and what they talk about, the conversations that they have, the role play that they do. And it made me wonder what if we had a church corner where the children just played 
where they were mimicking church life. Oh boy, even I'm terrified at that thought. Whether we realize it or not, we have a voice. Many of us would say that we cannot preach the thought of having to stand up and preach a Sunday service or stand on a street corner and preach a message would terrify the majority of us. And I know even as a seasoned preacher, shall we say, I still have an element of nerves and that's a good thing. It means I respect what I'm doing. But I wonder, I wonder about that lack of confidence that we have where we feel we cannot speak about Jesus, about God, about the Bible, you know, that we only have a basic understanding of faith and how can we help somebody else on their journey of faith. And that, it leaves me wondering a little bit about what we've done as churches to enable people to grow in their faith, how we've enabled people to have the confidence to speak out about who God is to them. And that, again, is something I'm trying to figure out as a minister, as a leader, because I don't want to be the only voice. And I'm so grateful to Hazel and to Lynn and to Heather and to others, uh, to Neil, to um, various other people who have come to, to share God's word with you and others. But it's not just about language or skills or ability. Each word we say, each action we take or make preaches a message. It's accredited to St. Francis of Assisi that we should preach the gospel at all times and uh, use words if necessary. Now, whether he said it or not, there's certainly an element of that within his teaching, that our actions should speak. In James, we are reminded that faith without actions is dead. How we speak to those around us, therefore, is a vital part of our ministry, especially those who annoy us or treat us badly. How do we cope with that driver who cuts us up or nearly rearranges our front end speaks volumes? And I have to admit, I'm still a work in progress on this. I can probably say the most, um, the most dangerous place for me and my temperament is driving my car. How do we speak of our colleagues or a friend in need? And you get the drift. This is part of our voice. This is part of the message that we spread. And you find this in the early church. So Pentecost, for some people, they see it as the birthday of the church. Um, and we look at how the church grew and developed out of this particular event. And then when you look at it, they go from that first day of preaching with the Holy Spirit and 3,000 are added to their number and it's an amazing experience. They go from that to this establishment of a community of a family of believers who follow the way of Jesus Christ. They eat together, they pray together, they share together, they learn together, they talk the stories of Jesus, they um, sell their homes and their lands and they pull all of their resources together. Um, they look after the widows and the orphans. And as you read the story of the early church, you see a community trying to become family, trying to take in the, the, the brilliant parts of the Jewish culture of hospitality and looking after every generation of the, of the family. And their whole lives become a voice. It's no wonder that in all this change in the church, we're like, we should go back to the way they did it in the early church because they have a voice, they have a presence 
uh, that we can grow and learn from. And it makes me wonder, what does our voice say to those round about us? Do we speak with a collective voice? And is that a collective voice that rings out with faith, hope and love? Or do people hear bitterness, grief, anger, distrust, cynicism, judgment, prejudice? What? It's not always just what we say, it's how we say it. How is our voice being heard? We do need to preach the gospel. And a, a colleague of mine said, preach it and they'll come. And I will be totally honest with you. I was like, yeah, right. I mean, haven't we been preaching it for years, for generations? And I mean, are they coming? But it keeps niggling at me because God keeps reminding me that actually I have said that too, maybe not quite using that phrase, but I, I want to help people, but I want people to know who God is. And I want people to know that they can have a life through him and with him. And how do we do that? What are we saying out loud about Jesus? What do our children truly know about God, about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, about redemption, about resurrection, about faith? about the fact that sometimes faith is really hard work and sometimes faith is a walk in the park. Just read Psalm 23. What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? For some, the biggest shock I gave them was when I referred to the Holy Spirit as female. God is creator first. Jesus is the word first. And the Holy Spirit is wisdom first. None of these are gender items. We allow gender to become part of our understanding and our language. Think about it. I'm not sure it's as common nowadays, but when I was growing up, cars were always women. They were always female. I believe boats are always female. We put gender on things. But initially, God is creator. Jesus is the word. Holy Spirit is wisdom. And if you learn French, everything's got a gender because I've been practicing my French in the hope of going on a French holiday and I had forgotten how hard French really is. But anyway, moving on. I think he's right. And I don't mean me standing up here and preaching is going to fill the church because it's not. But we need to preach the message of Jesus Christ. We need to preach the gospel. We need to preach it. Preach it, sister. Preach it, brother. Because if we don't, who will? And I don't think that preaching is unimportant to you or to me or to anybody that comes and is fed by the word of God. I am not dismissing that kind of preaching but there has to be a way to reach out beyond the people who have already met the Lord. And I love that uh, wee story that we heard earlier from Numbers, and I deliberately kept it in, and I know there's a lot going on today, but I kept it in with Eldad and Meldad are prophesying in the spirit, and Joshua's like, hey ho, you're not meant to be doing this. This is not your job. Moses, get them to shut up. This is not about them. And Moses is like, how I wish you would all preach, how you would all prophesy in the spirit, 
how you would share the word of the Lord. That's what prophecy is, sharing the word of the Lord. It's what preaching is, sharing the word of the Lord. There are nuanced differences, but hey, we'll come back to that another day. If we'd gone on to read uh, more of that story from Acts, we would hear Peter's first sermon, and within that he quotes the prophet Joel, who says about old men and young men having visions, your sons, your daughters having dreams, and so on. That whole idea that all of us have a voice, not just ministers, not just those with dog collars, not just those with degrees, not those who've had to do all the studying, or been authorised by whoever, whatever, all of us preach a sermon every single day with the way that we live our lives. Every one of us says something about God by the way that we treat one another, about how we even treat ourselves. After all, you are a temple for the Holy Spirit. Yes, some of us are blessed to be able to do this as a, as a profession, a calling, a job, whatever, to go into schools, to go into homes, to go wherever God calls us to. And we're blessed and fortunate to be able to do that. But do not let people who are somehow authorized and somehow set apart or somehow put on pedestals to stop you from being a voice for God. Because there's already a shortage of us, if you want to call us ministers. We need everybody to remember that they are part of the priesthood of all believers. And I love it. I love it when, you know, Jesus is riding in on his donkey and the, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, whoever, are like, get these people to be quiet. And Jesus is like, if they're quiet, the very stones themselves would shout out. Or the psalmist who says that God has ordained praise from infants at the breast. All of us have a voice. You me, all of us have a voice. We all have an opportunity to share Christ, whether we're theological or academic or whatever, however we live our lives, however we treat the people around about us, how we treat ourselves is a message. Now there's a thought. All of us, all of us have a voice, whether through spoken words or random acts of kindness to family, friends or strangers especially the ones that are go the extra mile, turn the other cheek, love your enemy, even the one that just cut you up on the roundabout. Your very presence of Christ-like grace can change a life, even if you never know it. Remember, with God, nothing is lost in translation. Amen. Thank you for listening and I hope that you enjoyed that reflection and it gave you something perhaps to think about for yourself and maybe for your church or your faith community around you. Next week is Trinity Sunday and then after that we'll be starting a new series. But I pray that you have a very blessed week. Do check us out on social media. Look us up under Moncrief Parish Church. Just remember it's E-I-N Moncrief. God bless you and see you next time.